Welcome everybody to another episode of Into the Stratosphere. I'm your girl Cindy G. How's everybody doing? I'm doing really well. You guys just recording it on a Saturday night, but wanted to take this time to wish everybody a very happy Easter or any celebration that you guys are celebrating. So happy Easter and happy wrestling week. It is going to be a very big week in the world of wrestling, mainly from WWE, of course, with like everything that's been going on within the week. And then, of course, AEW Dynamite is officially like has the Wednesday night slot on their own. Impact Wrestling is now on a Thursday. And then GCW is having their um, GCW, the collective from Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then Impact Wrestling have their Impact Plus exclusive hardcore justice. So a lot has is going to be happening in the world of wrestling this week. So it's going to be a lot to digest. But as I mentioned it, like before I'm going to say it again, um, when it comes to the big four pay-per-view for WWE, there's not going to be no new episode into the stratosphere. So that way that Philip and Brandon will be heavily, heavily focused on the WWE content for the Bullet Cast. So therefore, into the stratosphere's new episode for next week, um, it's not going to be happening. I will be back in two weeks. So expect a lot of recaps, especially like, from Impact Wrestling because like Hardcore Justice and then that's going to be the kickoff to on the road of Impact Wrestling's big pay-per-view Rebellion. So yeah you guys this is going to be a major week but hey I do need the week off you guys I've been working six days straight overtime. Your girl is exhausted but hey I'm here for it. So yeah, anyway you guys so typical wrestling news headline recap for NWA Power, also recap for Impact Wrestling, and then an AEW Dynamite bonus, 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 including what I have to say about AEW Faction, especially the tweet that actually made it trendy not too long ago since I put that tweet out, so I gotta clarify that. And also, this is going to be the early prediction for the Impact Plus Special Hardcore Justice. So I hope you guys got your beverage, your snack, or whichever you're at. Um, because let's get this party started. This is episode 32, 1000 Match and Counting. That is right. This name of the episode is dedicated to, of course, the cowboy, James Storm, who recently had his 1,000 match on the last episode of Impact Wrestling, which we're going to be getting to that later on, you guys. So anyway, let's go ahead and kick things off with the wrestling news headline, even though this is going to be one of the major wrestling news headlines that has been circulating recently since Friday, April 2nd. Even though this is like a little bit of WWE, but then it's involving another wrestler in another different wrestling company so they so wwe just announced that steve austin broken skull session will have their next interviewee a person that they're going to interview none other than the demo god himself aew star chris jericho that is right chris jericho is going to be interviewed 
will be interviewed by Steve Austin on Sunday, April 11th at the Broken Skull Session, only on Peacock here in the USA, but like for internationally, WWE Network. So this is like really major, you guys. So what came about is that like Chris Jericho did reach out to Steve Austin after he complimented um, Steve for his interview with The Undertaker and pretty much that that they both came into agreement that they should be, that Steve Austin can interview Chris. So Steve actually did ask Vince McMahon, he's like, sure, go ahead, that's it. So this is what, um, what transpired to have the interview going on. So according to what Steve Austin said on SI.com for what's, how it came about too. So this is pretty major, you guys. The thing about it is, you guys, is this is not like a freaking forbidden door, you guys. It's just like a regular interview that Steve Austin is conducting on his own podcast, even though that podcast is under WWE wing. But then again, it's like, what's what there's going to be talking about? Like, a lot of curiosity is going to be happening that's going to pl- take place like, what Steve Austin is going to ask Jericho about, like, are they going to bring anything about AEW or Chris Jericho's decision to leave WWE, join AEW, anything impossible, you guys. I'm very curious to know, like, that I think, like, I think they're just going to talk a little bit about AEW, but not too much, but they're just going to, but he's just going to talk to Jericho about, like, his career, since Jericho has been in the business for so many years and with his accolades, especially like not wrestling, besides wrestling in AEW, but also with New Japan Pro Wrestling and a different of accolade too. So I feel that it's just going to be more about Jericho's career and a little bit about his personal life than talking into like an especially about AEW itself. But hey, we'll see what's going to be happening next once the Broken Skull session will be airing on April 11th, you guys. And, of course, I will definitely will be tuning in for that. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And I think that's going to be kind of like a little bit of a brief recap, too, like when I come back from my vacation. <laughs> All right, you guys, so enough about that. Now, the next wrestling news headline, which is going to be a little bit of the event that's taking place, as I mentioned it, for... For this weekend of wrestling. So Game Changer Wrestling present the Collective Remix. (laughs) That's right. They're actually going to be taking place at the Cuban Club in Tampa, Florida, of course. And the event will run from Thursday, April 8th, all the way to Saturday, April 10th, you guys. So you guys can definitely watch it on Fight TV. And here are the names of the events. So on Thursday, April 8th, you'll have is the Jimmy Lloyd D Generation F, then the Asa Cup Day 1, then the Josh Barnett Blood Sports 6, then the For the Culture. Friday, April 9th, you'll have is Alley Cat's Real Hot Girl SHIT, then the Asa Cup Day 2. So pretty much it is going to be a Asa Cup tournament. And then you'll have is the RSP Spring Break formerly known as Joey Janela's Spring Break. Oh, I hate the 440H. And then you have his Violence Plus Suffering. And then Saturday, April 10th, you'll have his Effie's Big Gay Brunch. And then you'll have his Planet Death. 
Um, and then after that, you'll have his Unsanctioned Pro. And last up the event will be the No Peace Underground Ass Wall. So I'm definitely going to be watching some of the event, but it's going to be on demand because, of course, your girl has to work. However, I'm definitely going to be watching one of the events that's going to be on real lifetime. So pretty much, of course, on Thursday, I'm definitely going to be watching um, For the Culture, of course. And it looks like... For culture, because the Josh Barnett Bloodsport is actually going to be on airing the same time as Impact Wrestling's debut um, debut time slot, of course. But I'm definitely going to be watching it on demand during WrestleMania. Yeah, I know. Because as someone that doesn't watch WWE, at least I'll have more free time to watch some of the events. So I'm going to be watching For the Culture on Friday. I'll totally will be watching the Violent Time Suffering. And then on Saturday, and then on Saturday, I'll definitely go be watching the No Peace Underground as well. But then, like for the event, I'll be watching it and possibly go be covering. I'll definitely will be watching the Alley Cat Real Hot Girl S H I T and the F U Big A Brunch as well. And then other events too depends on it. Which, by the way, I'll definitely will give you guys my overall thoughts of the event and which show I did watch that game give you guys providing the results and my overall thoughts. Just like with the past GCW Biggie event, I'll give you guys a quick um, breakdown of like what I thought of the event as well as the results that only the event that I actually watch and purchase with my own hard money as well. And speaking of which, like one of the big events, I think that's going to be important. Of course, for the culture is also very important. Also the RSP break of, as well. And the FU Big Game Brunch. But one of them is actually going to be the Alley Cat Real Hot Girl SHIT. Especially this particular Battle Royal call. The Grace Sweatpants Battle Royal. Which is, um, which it actually runs and booked by the lovely Faye Jackson, of course. Which all proceed for the Grace Sweatpants Battle Royal. Happy well towards, go towards Planned Parenthood, which is very amazing what Faye is doing to help contributing for the event. And also another half of the donation will go towards the talent that's participating in the Grey Sweatpants Battle Royal and I think also the Alley Cat Hot Girl SHIT. However, with a misunfortunate news, you guys, so Faye J Jackson did took to Twitter on Friday and announced that like she suffer a severe injury that she dislocated her elbow during a match um last two Sundays ago I think it was last Sundays yeah last Sundays <laughs> and so unfortunately she had to be pulled of all the bookings and including the match that she was supposed to be taking place during against Allison K for the Alley Cats Real Hot Girl SHITS well but she'll definitely be there however after the GCW Collective Remix event, she's actually going to be officially um, retiring from wrestling for good. She says she is stepping away from wrestling for good. So, yeah, you guys, this is really sad to say. At least when I found out about the announcement, I was very heartbroken and, you know... Because, like, I've been following up with Faye's career since when I started watching wrestling again, like, in the early 2010s. 
And the first thing I know about Faye Jackson is she was in Ring of Honor, of course, and she made a big indie indies as well. I mean, I'm very glad that Faye did come to the Bay Area and she had a match against Thunder Rosa at one of the West Coast Pro Wrestling event back in December of 2019. And, you know, it's been an honor and privilege of meeting Faye Jackson. She's like one of the nicest person I ever met. Very down to earth, of course. And yeah, your girl got a lap dance from Faye during her entrance right after one of my acquaintances uh, did receive a lap dance, which it actually went on viral on Twitter. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Check out my YouTube channel, Adventures in Wrestling by Cindy G. Go to, to one of my West Coast Pro um, vlogs and you'll see in real time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, good memories though. But yeah, rest aside, um, yeah, I mean, it's really unfortunate that, like, with this particular injury that actually took a toll on someone's, like, you know, career and more passion and what they got to do. And unfortunately, like, the main thing is, like, health and safety matters, especially for your own body. So I, I'm glad that Faye is taking the proper precautions she needs to heal herself up and making sure, like, what's going to be happening in the long run, too. But it's really unfortunate that she's actually going to be retiring from the in-ring competition. So pretty much like the Alley Cats um, show on Friday, it's going to be one hell of a celebration for Faye's farewell to wrestling altogether, you know. So Faye, if you're listening to it, hopefully uh, myself along with the rest of the Bullet cast and also... The Bay Area independent wrestling, independent wrestling scene, and also wrestling as well. We wish you nothing but the best of luck and wishing you a very happy retirement. And want to say thank you, Faye, for everything, bringing a whole life in the world of wrestling, bringing your big personality and your outgoing like spirits and everything alike. So, thank you, Faye Jackson. We will miss you. Anyway, you guys, enough about that. Now let's go ahead and go to the next wrestling news headline. March 30th, New Japan Pro Wrestling. During the New Japan, uh, the road to the Sakura Genesis, they just reveal the, the Unified IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Let me go ahead and take a quick sip of water. You know what that means? I have a lot to say. They reveal the title. At first, I thought the title looks fresh. I like it at first of all, but then when I look closely, I was like, that title kind of reminds me of something that I saw in WWE. Man. Social media was not having it, you guys. Like, the majority of the people that sent out a tweet, they were having a huge mixed feelings and banter about this title. Like, that title, I get it. Like, they're they're kind of bringing back, like, you know, the past, like, IWGP heavyweight titles. um, Like, the different title design. Like, 
kind of reminds me of the, the second title design. Yo, that title looks like the alpha version of the WWE Divas title. And also, Cody's neck tattoo combined. Not like, not not just the Nightmare um, Family, um, like, logo symbol, but like the tattoo itself. It's like, this is like, kind of like the poorest move that New Japan Pro Wrestling ever done. And they definitely did drop the ball yet again as well. Like... I don't know what is going on with New Japan Pro Wrestling ever since that Hiro Meji did step down, did um step down, and I think I have a feeling, you guys, it's not just the president, but it's of course the chairman of Bushi Road too has something to say about it, has got to do with it too. But I understand like they're trying to like bring some of the meaning of the tie, like what that title design is. Honestly, I just don't care about, like, the little bit of history of the title of it. It's so bad. Like, why? It looks so generic as hell. And it looks so WWE-ish. That's all I'm seeing. However, someone did point it out saying that that title looks like Jeff Hardy's um, TNA title without the purple strap. So I kind of, like, freaking laugh my A off so much. And then there's, like, so many memes. And one of the memes is... Uh, Cody Rose neck tattoo. Let's have a baby. WWE Diva Saddle. Yeah, let's do it. I love you. Nine months later, the IWGP World Heavyweight title. Yeah. Like, you kind of like, I know they're giving crap about that title design as well as like, you know, how New Japan Pro Wrestling made like a horrible mistake and horrible decision to unify the the IWGP heavyweight and the Intercontinental Champion because, like, now is that there's not going to be any title opportunity whatsoever. Of course, you have now the never open way you consider it as a mid-card, but it doesn't even make, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, the Intercontinental Champion, I get it. It was, like, 10, it's, like, you know, it, you know, it debuted, like, like, 10 years ago, of course, and you're trying to freaking erase history. I went on a huge rant on it on Instagram Live, and, you know, I'm not having it whatsoever. Like, I, like I said, New Japan Pro Wrestling freaking dropped the ball big time, and the belt design, yet again, they freaking dropped the ball. However, they also dropped the ball of, what I'm going to say, about a certain title again. So... On April 2nd during New Japan Strong, so they actually made the announcement that the winners are not going to be competing for the IWGP United States Champion. Which to me is like, what in the hell? So you're going to have Moxley hold the title and held hostage? Doesn't make sense. But instead, they're going to debut the New Japan, uh, New Japan Strong Openweight title. They reveal the title, and but and which it looks so much better than the um, Alpha WWE Divas version title of the IWGP World Heavyweight Title, you guys. And you know, I'm happy about it, but then at the same time, it's like, okay, what's gonna be happening with the IWGP United States Champion? Like. It doesn't even make sense whatsoever what is the whole logic of New Japan Pro Wrestling is doing. So you're trying to erase like a United States title that was supposed to be like one of the 
one of the, you could say one of the mid-card title, but yet you have someone who is currently in AEW still holding hostage of it, and now you decided to create a title. I don't know. It's so confusing, more mind-boggling. I even have a conversation with Philip and honey, to quote Lovey T, Philip is not having it. You saw like the post on the Instagram post on the Bullet Cast um, Instagram page. Yeah, Philip is not having it because, you know, him, he's not a huge fan of having like more than five titles, of course, especially you say New Japan Pro Wrestling is doing too much. Um, yeah, even though WWE has like a crap ton of titles, but New Japan Pro Wrestling, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. If you want to include the King of Pro Wrestling 2021 trophy or whatever. But I digress. We'll, we'll say eight for like the hell of it. Two. Like, New Japan has eight titles. And I understand why because of the different class they have. The different world class and also like the meaning of like each of the titles, especially like the never title, of course, which which it actually did help to make sure that everybody gets the opportunity as what they needed too. And especially when it comes to the junior heavyweights, because it's based on different weight class and by how like New Japan Pro Wrestling is carrying on to like each of the wrestlers, like, you know, based on like, the history and the lineage of as well, you know. I know Philip is going to be disagreeing about, you know, the reason about, like, why New Japan Pro Wrestling has that many titles, you know. I understand where New Japan Pro Wrestling coming from. And, you know, and Philip, if you want to go on a debate, we could definitely do a debate about, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling has too many titles debate or whatever you call it. We'll do it if, maybe on one day, either on Into the Stratosphere or maybe on a special episode of the Bullet Cast as well. And maybe we'll have Brandon or Baby Huey as the moderator, whatever. Because, like, I have no issues with New Japan Pro Wrestling having too many titles. But WWE has a crap ton of titles. Like, come on now. So, yeah. So, backtracking to it, I'm assuming that, like, with the IWGP United States um, title... We might gonna be seeing Moxley again with that title one day on New Japan Strong, or maybe he'll bring it on AEW Dynamite. And then they're probably gonna use that title as one of like the USA heavyweight version. And then the the New Japan Strong Openweight title, which I'm glad it's just open to all on um, weight classes, they're probably gonna be using it as like a second um second tier title or maybe like a mid card title, you know, but We'll wait and see. I know they're going to be kicking off with the New Japan Cup United States um, tournament this week, you guys. So I'm very excited for that. And honestly, I'm going to stand by my pick. I'm definitely going to get pick Tom Lawler to be the winner and become the inaugural New Japan Strong Champion, Openweight Champion. But some people say it's going to be Leo Rush just because of his accolade. And his dedication with the company as well. But either way, we'll see what's going to be happening next. Alright, you guys. So, enough of this wrestling news headline. And my rebuttal regarding this freaking 
New Japan Pro Wrestling dropping the ball big time when it comes to the title design to the new title situation. Let's go ahead and go with the recap for NWA Power that just took place on Tuesday, March 30th, you guys. So anyway, so anyway, you have is the opening promo of Nick Aldis being interviewed by Kyle Davis as Kyle explained to Nick regarding the main event match that happened last week that Nick and which Strictly Business and Chris Master of the Full Nelson Adonis did pick the victory over the team of Aaron Stevens, Kratos, and Trevor Murdoch. Not Trevor Murdoch. Who else is in that tag? I keep forgetting sometime. Um, let me check my notes real quick. Let's see. Do, do, do. Yeah, because... Let's see. Oh, and the Pope. Sorry. It was the Pope, Kratos, and Aaron Stevens that lost the match last week, you guys. So... Nick DeClaire was happy that he definitely um got the big W that it needs like needs it on his accolade as well. And also he did clarify regarding on um, the question is Chris Adonis strictly business because like joining the being strictly business is complicated. What when he was trying to explain out comes Trevor Murdoch coming back after being out for a week after week since he got attacked by Chris Adonis during the back for the attack pay-per-view so Trevor did call him out Mount and say that he did miss like a week's pay because of what Chris Adonis did to put into a master lock and Nick Aldis saying like he doesn't like anyone to tell him what to do and you're in his show however the only thing they had in common is they've both been trained by Harley race of course and they show admiration right when nick all this told him like rule number one never turn your back on your opponent and of course that's when chris adonis blindsided um trevor murdoch and attacked the crap out of him until until a couple of the referees did um trying to pull him pull him apart so it was a pretty much a good opening promo segment for nick Aldis, and i'm glad that he did explain uh, like the logistics side of being strictly business, especially like, you know, who is Chris Adonis is to him and Tom Lattimore, of course. I just feel that like because of of Royce Isaac is no longer with NWA, I feel that they should added more members to benefit it too. Because the only thing they only members they have besides Nick and Tom is Camille, and that's it. So having like a four person mainly a male, will definitely will help carry on with that faction itself, too. And, like, you know, more title opportunity alike. So, anyway, afterwards, you have is... is May backstage, May Valentine interviewing Aaron Stevens and Kratos talking about their losses from last week's main event. Even though Kratos is not happy about this and there has been tension going up between Kratos and Aaron Stevens... Aaron did try his best to like to best to clarify and taking the own accountability recording with the loss. However, out comes May Valentine's best friends forever, Sal Ronaldo, as he wanted to challenge Aaron Stevens for for the NWA tag team champion. However, Kratos didn't say anything. He's just mean mugged as always, of course. And so 
Aaron, being a good person he is now because, you know, he is now babyface, he just smiles to Sal and he say, I gladly accept it. So the match is happening next week's episode of NWA Power. And I'm curious to know who's going to be Sal Renato's tag team partner. And I'm curious to know, is Mae Valentine's going to be um, valeting Sal and a tag team partner? There is so much question and so much, like, theory. Like, who's going to be Sal's tag team partner for it? It's like, I don't know. And who else is going to be in NWA, too? Like, is this someone that we saw from Ring of Honor? Maybe New Japan? Maybe, I don't know, AEW or Impact? So many theories alike, but hey, I'm here for it. I won't be surprised if Sal's tacting partner would be Levi Shapiro. Then I'll mark out. But hey, it's just my wishful thinking. <laughs> but I'm curious, you know. But yeah. Anyway, you guys. Then you have it's the first match of the show. You have a Slice Boogie did defeated Jeremiah Plunkett. in pretty much a short but solid match. I'm very impressed with Jeremiah's moveset, especially with that impressive elbow drop to Slice, though. That's kind of like a... Pretty much a breeding, brutal, heavy hitting, um, only drop I've ever seen in quite a while. So, a lot of back and forth going on, and then Slice Boogie, like, you know, trash talking as usual. Jeremiah showing his big dedication is. And unfortunately, Slice Boogie did pick up the victory with the package power driver known as the Dead Ass Driver. You know, it was an alright match, especially Slice Boogie, you know, being a heel as he is too. But hey. We'll be seeing more of him. Yawn. I'm kind of not a fan of Slice Boogie, though, ever since his debut on West Coast Pro, like, back in September of 2019. But it's whatever. Then you have, prior to the match you have, is Austin Idol coming out and joining commentary after he kicked out Velvet Sky just to make sure that, you know, she's not in danger in in harm's way, which honestly, I'm happy that Velvet Sky is not doing commentary for the rest of the show as well. I mean, I do respect Velvet Sky. I know she's trying her best for it too, and especially like her commentary side. I think like something has been going on with her lately. I know, kind of like I know last week I was kind of like pretty criticized about her commentary status. That I feel like it just need a little bit more personality, but when I can hear her voice. I feel like something has been a little bit off that something's wrong with her, you know, but whatever it is, um, hopefully we'll be seeing her more on next week's episode of NWA Power, regardless a bit too, but yeah. But anyway, so you have is Tyrus defeated Matthew Mims, which is like a pretty much a solid hoss fight of the match, but hey. Tyrus did the Great American Slab to pick up the victory. Not much to say, of course. Hey, it's Tyrus. Y'all know what's up. But yeah. Then afterwards, we were supposed to be having a a main event match between the Pope versus Fred Rosser for the NWA Television Champion. But unfortunately, they made the announcement during the commercial promo that they that match is going to be moving to next week because the main event match is... Um, Trevor Murdoch versus Chris Adonis for the NWA National Television Champion in a no-DQ match. 
So afterwards of that announcement of the promo, then cut to the Pope and Fred Roster. Um, each of them cut a promo where Fred Roster said that he will definitely will beat his kick his butt and show him that he has no days off it is too. And of course, the Pope cutting a really impressive promo as it is too. He gave Fred Roster praises, but then he's showing more of the accolade of, you know, what it means to be a television champion. The Pope still got it, you guys. I freaking love his his um in-ring um promo. Like Something about it kind of like draws together for it. But hey, I'm looking forward to his match next week. Then you have his a tag team match between Thunder Rosa and Alex Gracia versus Sky Blue and Genocide. You guys remember Genocide from, from AEW Dark a couple months ago? Even though on the next episode on AEW Dark, they changed her name from Genocide to the Biotic Beast Jenna. I think it's because of the ending of her name, side, kind of like reference to, you know, suicide, you know, but, oh well, and that match was pretty awesome, I'm very impressed with Sky's blue in ring work, even though that she doesn't even shut her mouth while she was like locking arms against Al Gracia, however, who's on commentary? None other than Molina, which, hey, Molina did a pretty alright job being on commentary, at least, like, I do enjoy it, you know, a little bit more than Velvet Skies' commentary, though. But, but I know that she's been talking about Thunder Rosa a lot during the match as well. So, these ladies did a very impressive job. But the only thing is, Genocide and Thunder Rosa scoring up against each other was the icing on cake. Like, holy crap. Right when... Thunder Rosa was continuing on to attack Genocide. Then you saw outside of the ring that Sky Blue did attack. Did attack on um, Alex Grossi outside of the ring. Make her um, knock down cold. And right when Thunder Rosa was about to do the double knee to the ring post. Out comes Camille giving Thunder Rosa the spear. And thus, the match ends in a no DQ. Right when Camille continues to attack her, here out comes Molina trying to make a save. Well, she did not come into the ring, but, you know, she was outside of the ring trying to pull Thunder Rosa. And Molina and Camille did both have words of exchange, of course. However, right behind Camille... Genocide was standing up, and thanks to the crowd was screaming... Jenna's gonna kill you, which kind of ruins a little bit of the surprise. Camille turns, and of course, it ends with Camille and Genocide having a stare down. I was like, oh my god, I'm so ready for this match. And of course, this match might happen next on the next episode of NWA Power. Hey, I'm for it. Like, both of the ruthless. Badass female wrestlers will be facing up against each other. I am so loving it. But the match itself is really much a good showcasing match. I am I love it. Anyway, afterwards, then you have the main event match, which is the NWA National Championship match in a no DQ match between the champ Trevor Murdoch 
versus Chris, master of the full Nelson, Adonis. The match started out with both guys starting to brutally brawl each other. However, you saw that Trevor Murray did wore a neck brace because, of course, he got attacked by Chris Adonis, like, earlier in the episode. They were both brawling mostly outside of the ring, like, everywhere they go until both of the guys came in. However, Chris Adonis took the best for, like, the best for, like, continuing to attack Trevor Murdoch until he applied the Master Lock in y'all. When you apply the Master Lock, that's where Trevor Murdoch did not tap and he was out. And, of course, you have is your new NWA National Champion, Chris Master of the Full Nelson Adonis. Oh, my lord. And by the way, Nick Aldis was on commentary too, so digress on that. Yeah, I was completely shocked that Chris Adonis did defeat Trevor Murdoch, even though he attacked him early in the episode. It's like, I honestly wish that Trevor Murdoch should have held that title a little bit longer and then have Chris Master winning it instead of like, oh, rematch, there you go, new champ. It kind of sets, like, it sets, like, a little bit of an overkill when it comes to, like, lineage of the title of it. Especially one of the prestigious titles, like, too. So, it is what it is. And then afterwards, once Chris Adonis did uh, pick up the victory, out comes Strictly Business as Nick Aldis, coming off from commentary, did congratulate him. And, of course, it did confirm that Chris Adonis is Strictly Business. Which, I was a little bit confused. So, is he a new fourth person of Strictly Business? Or he's just an still an associate? It's just kind of like raising this question as well. But hey, I don't mind Chris Adonis being the new fourth man of Chris Strictly Business. I think that's going to be helping him to rebuttal his career. Like, especially making a huge comeback. When I told some of my friends... About like, oh, Chris Masters is the new NWA National Champion and stuff. They were completely surprised too. I was like, yeah, very shocked. And it's like, he hasn't wrestled in like so many years. Like, I yeah, I know. And he won the title, which he still got. And he still used the Master Lock too. I wasn't even happy that at first. But then at the same time, it's kind of like a good comeback to his career itself. So congratulations, Chris Adonis. For becoming the new NWA National Champion. I know that everybody is giving high praises. Especially you made a huge comeback. For for your wrestling career. Hats off to you as well. Overall the episode of NWA Power was pretty solid. Even though the only match I really enjoy the most was the women's tag team match. It has like more of a high caliber ability to it. Especially getting to know more of the female wrestler. Which I'm supposedly enough. They're officially part of NWA roster, especially Alex Gracia, too, since she also wrestled in AEW Dark. Hmm. Of, of course, I mean, the Forbidden Door is still there. I mean, you still have Fred Roster wrestle in New Japan Pro Wrestling USA, and so is Jordan Clearwater. A lot of endless possibility, y'all. So, yeah. For my grade of this, and especially the ending of the main event match and especially the promos was amazing i'm gonna give this show a solid b plus 
I just wish that like they should just um, give a little bit of a cut time to one of the matches itself. And I feel like it just needed more of like a storyline in depth when it comes to the Strictly business and then about the whole Molina situation and Thunder Rosa too. But anyway, guys, that is it for the recap for NWA Power. Now let's go to Impact Wrestling. That's right. Their last episode on a Tuesday night slot for Tuesday, March 30th, before they're moving to Thursday night, or should I say moving back. So, for your pre-show before the impact, you have is, let's see, let me go ahead and look at my notes. Oh, let's see. The team of Rohit Raju and Hernandez defeated the team of Falaba and Shira. It's pretty much a, you know, a typical tag team match, even though Falaba is the one that took more of the beating from Hernandez and and Roju, of course. And Shira, holy crush, Shira still got his impressive moveset, especially, you know, his sidewalk slam to Rohit Roju as well. And let's just talk about the dive that Hernandez did give to Falaba, too. However, Shira was about to do the dive, but then he got hit by a chair from Hernandez, and that's where Rohit Rashid did took the Mumbai drive-by and pick up the victory as well. So it's just your solid tag team match, not much to say. And now let's go ahead and go to the main card as well. So Fire and Flava defeated the team of Havoc and Nevaeh in a non-title match, and it was a pretty much your solid tag team match. All together, it's just mostly more of like having taking more of a control to both Kira Hogan and to Tasha Steele as well. And then she did tag in Nevea, and of course, both ladies did do the double team move to Kira for a two count. And of course, like Five and Flavor took mostly the control of Havoc until that, until like she got blind tagged by Nevea, Nevea when she was like. Attacking Tasha, of course, Tasha with that beautiful suplex, that German suplex she gave. It's very impressive, but of course, having did blind tag Nevaeh back in the ring. And of course, they were trying to, have was trying to do the sit-down power fall for a near fall, but then, but then she got attacked by Tasha as well. And unfortunately, at the end, um, Kira Hogan did apply the face the music. Followed by Tasha Steele with the frog splash. And that's how Fire and Flavor did pick up the victory. Afterwards, um, Havoc and Nevaeh was having... While well, Havoc was trying to apologize so much to a very frustrating Nevaeh. Um, Nevaeh forgive her. And they both kind of give like some sort of like a headbutt hug or whatever. Until, like, Nevaeh turned away, and that's where Havoc's turn heel and attacked the crap out of Havoc, of course, calling her the weakest link. That's right, you guys. Nevaeh has gone heel, and I think that is a perfect way to separate Havoc and Nevaeh. I mean, they did a good job as a tag team, but, like, you know, their win-loss records is not that impressive. They took so many L's. I think it's best, like, both ladies need to go on their separate ways, especially going to, like, a different title opportunity as well, too. So, which we're going to be getting to that later on about it as well. 
And then afterwards, you have is a backstage interview where Jim Miller interview um, James Storm talking about his main event match, which is his 1,000th match against Eric Young. So James Storm did give like a little bit of a backstory of like you know his time with Impact Wrestling, like during the olden days of TNA Wrestling, especially like being part of a tag team called America's Most Wanted with Chris Harris and how the late Bob Ryder um, decided to sign him and always being a big supporter to him too. So he dedicated this main event match to Bob Ryder and then he did call out Eric Young saying that he need to bring his, he need to bring it no matter what and to bring his friends, of course, to file him by design as he's going to bring his friends, which appear, which outcomes Jake something and Chris Sabian. However, Chris and Jake has something for James Storm as a surprise in honor of his 1,000 match. Out comes his old tag team partner, Chris Harris. That's right. America's Most Wanted is reunited for only one night. As you guys know about like the complication health problems that Chris Harris has been suffering in the past, of course. But I'm glad he is back and he still looks good till this day too, you know? So they both embrace and definitely um definitely he's gonna be by by James's corner during the main event match. So that makes me so happy. All together, and then after the commercial break, you have is a backstage interview with Deanna Perrazzo and Karen. I mean Susan, as as they were talking about the explanation about beating up Jazz, and Deanna say that she is unstoppable. But then Susan interrupted and say it's atrocious, and Jazz deserved what she got. And of course, until Jazz started to brutally attack Susan as Deanna ran away, which Susan fortunately got got laid down, and Jazz walked away as well. And then you got is another match, of course. Sammy Callahan defeated Larry D with a package power driver. It's a pretty much a solid match, first of all. Larry D's ring gear, the lime green, kind of reminds me of Skittles. I think it's because of the color of his ring gear, of course, trying to improve. But I kind of noticed that Larry D's kind of like getting fit as of late, too. Like, hmm. I'm very surprised that Triple XL is taking it seriously when it comes to, like, maintaining themselves. I know, like, I talked in the past about AC Romero did actually have, like, a huge successful story where he dropped, like, that much weight and then he felt much better as it needed and Larry D of course he looks so much better as well too so all in all the match was pretty impressive it's just mostly like a back and forth brawl especially outside of the ring as well and of course you saw that um that Sam Callahan did the Dead Valley Driver and both guys keep continuing on a couple defensive going on but then Sam Callahan hit the draping pile driver to pick up the victory as well. Afterwards, AC came in in the ring and attacked Sammy Callahan right away. And that's where Larry D got up and then still continued on to attack him. And they both leave while Sammy laying down but smiled because you know why? He was expecting Trey Miguel to make a save because he actually made the save to Trey Miguel on the last episode of last week's episode of 
Impact Wrestling, well, actually, two weeks, almost two weeks ago, of the episode of Impact Wrestling, where, like, Sam and Callahan did um, save Trey from Triple XL, of course. But we'll get into that in just a moment. Then um, you show clips from Finji showing off their, their Impact World Tag Team titles at the New Japan Cup, of course, like highlighting their matches. And, of course, they had to show Will Ospreay, like, freaking why. Digress on it. And then cut to Kenny Omega, Don Callis, and a good brothers watching the Finjus highlight as Don Callis did um did have some concern to the good brothers since like they lost their tag team titles. But they're trying to but Don give the curse of encourage words of encouragement to make sure that not to be nervous. But then Kenny has an idea, so he whispered to Don Callis, and then Don whispers to Carl and Doc Gallows. And that was it. I don't know what the whole whispering is about, you guys. Like, come on now. But we'll see about that. And then backstage to Sammy Callahan confronting Trey, uh, saying that he needs to talk his anger out and why he didn't make the save as well. As Trey is very reluctant, he just doesn't want to deal with Sammy Callahan's my game, and I can't understand why, because Sam, because Sammy Callahan is a very manipulative post person as well. Even though Sammy continue on saying he needs to think about it for a week to be his tag team partner, where him and Trey will team up against Triple XL to make it happen. But then he needs an an approval from Trey if you want to join or anything like that. So yeah, this whole storyline with Sammy Callahan and Trey Miguel is still continuing on. I feel that this particular um, Storyline will be leaning up all the way to a, specula- a, spe- a speculation, speculation. It's so hard for me to pronounce. You guys, you guys know that English is not my first language, but a speculation match at Rebellion. I have a feeling that's going to be happening, but we'll see how time will be progressing within the two-week period before the big pay-per-view. Anyway, you have is Brian Myers defeated Suicide in a pretty much a short but sweet match. A lot of like um, back and forth going on, especially a lot of high dive from Suicide and then the rear chin lock from Brian Myers to Suicide before Suicide did the shotgun drop kick. And then, of course, Brian Myers did hit the Flatliner into the roster cut to pick up the victory as well. And then afterwards, Brian Mars did cut a promo saying that like saying that like he heard that Matt Cardona wanted to have a match against him. Unfortunately, Brian Mars did decline the request to have a match against Matt Cardona at Hardcore Justice. Hey, time may change. You never know. And then cut to backstage where where Jazz and Tommy Dreamer did talk as Jazz wanted the match against Deanna Perrazzo. However, Tommy did Tommy did told Jazz, remember at ECW we have is a double Jeopardy match, so let's make it happen between Jazz and Deanna Perrazzo, which Deanna will put her title on the line. And if Jazz wins, she gets the title. However, Jazz won't need to pick uh, 
which one she needed to give up on. Jazz decided to put her career on the line. So it's confirmed, you guys. The first match has been announced for Hardcore Jazz. Justice is going to be Deanna Perrazzo versus um, Jazz Career. No, actually, it's Champion versus Career Match. If Jazz wins, she becomes the new Impact Knockouts champion. If she lost, then she's no longer with Impact Wrestling for good. I think it's just going to be a perfect fitting because Jazz is continuing on with her retirement tour. Because even though, like, she's starting to wrestle again, but, like, just to help more to have her act later. Like, and I think that'll be a perfect way to written off Jazz. For the fact that, like, she's continuing on to, like, wrestle for, like, different promotions. I have a feeling we're probably going to be seeing Jazz, like, in one other promotion. Maybe AEW or maybe NWA. Who knows? Anyway, afterwards, then... I don't normally talk about Swinger's Palace because it's, like, an unnecessary talk about. It's just your typical, like, filler, get, filler segment, you guys. However, they show... They show, like, Don Callis and Kenny Omega at Swing's Palace as Johnny Swinger and Don Callis did reminisce their time at the old school TNA days. Oh, my God. It's so funny. And so Don Callis did show Johnny Swinger and Johnny Bravo and the Swingerellas, the uh, the one, Kenny Omega's one wing angel finisher highlight thingy on his phone and as everyone impressed. And that's where Don... Place a bet for 20K. 20K. I think it's just for that main event match or something like that. But like I said, I really don't care less about this whole Swinger Palace that. I forgot to mention it before the Swinger's Palace segment. Um, the AEW Dynamite commercial where the two Tonys are backstage on AEW Dynamite. Still same promo to promote the episode of AEW Dynamite. However, I just want to point out that Tony's Khan's um promo for the AEW Dynamite commercial seems a little bit odd because it kind of reminds me of like when he cut a promo to Kenny Omega on the debut episode of AEW Dark Elevation. I think he's trying his best to like to fulfill the TV role since now he's kind of like the general manager the general manager of AEW. I just feel like Tony Khan needs to just relax with it because he seems so fragile, frizzle out with the promo too. But that's just my honest opinion, you guys. Anyway, next up you have is Ace Austin and Madman Fulton defeated TJP and Josh Alexander in a tag team match. And it was a pretty, quite a solid tag team match. A lot of like counter tag team moves of defensive going on. I mean, you have Josh Alexander did the backdrop by Madman Fulton, and he did a suplex before Madman and Ace did double team um, Josh Alexander, and then TJP actually saved Josh before before him and Josh did double team. However, right when right when TJP did the detonation kick, followed by the Mumbai the Mumba Splash, Mumba, yeah, Mum, Mumba Splash. Um, let's see what else. Um, Mumba Splash. That's where Josh Alexander did broke the pin, and of course him and TJP 
got into oh got into a very argument until Ace Austin did took the advantage and roll up TJP to pick up the victory. So yeah, you guys, there's a lot of tension going on in the X Division. You know, especially between TJP and Josh Alexander, especially like they're tired of Ace Austin being a X Division champion as it is. But you know, it is what it is, you guys. Like damn. <laughs> I think it's like something that's gonna be building up. We're probably gonna be having kind of like a triple threat match at Rebellion for the X Division title. Maybe adding one more contender. Who knows? Anything can go either way. And then afterwards, then you have is the then you have backstage to Don Callis talking to Willie Mac as like he kind of like talk about like how he's impressed with Willie Mac during his time with Impact Wrestling. And of course, he did show the video highlight of Kenny Omega's One Wing Angel highlight highlight just to kind of like you know my Play my game to Willie Mac until out comes Rich Swan confronting Don Callis as as he doesn't want to deal with Don's mind game and he wanted to slap him if he weren't his boss before Don said he'll he's not his boss for the next ten minutes before taking off his glasses of the fish torn off. Rich then goes to hit Don before of till Kenny Omega attacks him from behind and then the Good Brothers start to attack attack. Willie Mac while he's trying to save Rich and then out comes Eddie Edwards as all the guys start and brawl each other until Kenny Omega, Don Callis, and the Good Brothers did um kicked out of backstage and that's where Rich Swan, Willie Mac, and Eddie Edwards um kind of like standing tall too. So it's just a quick way to promote their main event match that's gonna be taking place this Thursday, you guys, which I'm super excited for that particular match all together. And then you have his a video package from Violent by Design as Derek Young did um, cut a promo talking about James Storm 1000's match and showing the definition and the meaning of violence and how Rhino is officially a member of Violence by Design by being baptized as well and showing like a warning to James Storm as well. It's a pretty much a solid video package. I really enjoy this a lot more especially how like violence by decide i think they're like one of the most ruthless stable in impact wrestling more ruthless than the elite 2.0 as i call it you know for kenny omega and the good brothers so anyway and then cut to backstage as some of the knockouts roster and kayla with the k um sit down as tommy dreamer announced that jazz is putting her career on the line as Deanna like got up got up and you know trying to like defend that she'll definitely will make sure Jazz is no longer with the company and all that stuff. So Deanna left, but then Tommy calls Susan asking like where is her friend Sue? And so Su- Susan was saying, I don't know what you're talking about, but you could tell she is triggered a little bit. A son of a bit of a traitor. See, you guys, when it comes to, like, spells like that, it's not going to work. So I don't know what's going on with Father James Mitchell. Like, you know, is there any way to reverse um, Susan to Sue Young? Because I think if you mention about Sue or Sue, then she'll transform back. I think that's going to be happening that as well. But anyway, since Susan uh, walked away, Tommy Dreamer announced that there's going to be 
a multi-woman scramble match at Hardcore Justice. And the winner gets to be the number one contender to face Deanna Prazo at Rebellion, you guys. So all the knock... Some of the knockouts are very happy about it. Some are not too pleased about it, like Tennille Dashwood, for example. Havoc is very thrilled about it. Rosemary, you know, just being Rosemary in part of the member of the Decay. And, of course, Alicia Edwards. I think she did not pay attention fully. And she said, what is it again? What? <laughs> so, I'm going to get into, like, who is the participant. And for my pick for the six-way weapons match for the number one contenders for the contenders match for the Impact Knockouts title. That I'm excited. Now let's go ahead and go to the main event match that it was very impressive. Of course, James Storm with Chris Sabian, Jake Something, and Chris Harris versus Eric Young with Violent by Design. It was a slow start, but then again, you know, typical lockout before EY did shove James Storm and then dropping him with the back elbow. So a lot of like a lot back and forth going on. There's some a little bit of a brawl outside of the ring too. A lot of like more of a clean, some technical moveset, mainly from Eric Young as well. I just feel like this is like a real a textbook story of like you know how how James Storm got his career started, and especially like the interaction with EY2 since they both have history being with the company with so many years, you know, on and off too. So James Storm came with a jawbreaker into the inverted atomic jaw and it ends in Gary before a two count. Then James hit the neck breaker for another two before hitting the eye of the storm for a near fall before Eric Young hit the jumping neck breaker into the elbow drop for a two for a two count, then EY exchanged strike to James Storm until James hit a backstabber for a near fall that, of course, Diener did broke up by jumping on the apron. That's where all six men started to beat the holy crap out of each other. And, of course, that's where EY was about to do something, but then he got stopped by Chris Harris. Chris Harris deliver a brutal punch to EY and then toss him back to the ring. And that's where James Storm hit the last call. And y'all, James Storm defeated EY on his 1,000 match. That was a very impressive main event match, especially like, you know, with James Storm's career alike. I was very blown away together. It's not the best, not the worst, but it's a very much a more... You know, oh to, oh to his career, his career and his accolade too, and his, especially his impressive move sets from the Cowboy. And he still got it, you guys. Like wow. All in all, this episode of Impact Wrestling was pretty solid. I know they started to build up for Hardcore Justice, especially like we haven't even confirmed of the match between Matt Cardona and Brian Meyer. Only two matches has been announced, especially storyline has been developed. And, of course, the whole Kenny Omega situation, too. So, you guys, I'm going to be giving Impact Wrestling, you know, just A, B, plus S. Well, it was a pretty solid episode. The knockouts match was 
was solid, like a tag team match-wise. And then Nevaeh turning on Havoc. And then, you know, continuing storyline with Trey Miguel and Sammy Callahan going on. And, of course, having Triple XL getting involved. And then the storyline progressively between Ace Austin, Josh Alexander, and TJP as well. So it's a pretty much a solid episode with more of a storyline development, too. Anyway, you guys, enough about that. Let's go ahead and go to AEW Dynamite bonus, bonus, bonus. Now, I'm going to be talking about two matches right here. One of them is going to be Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall exhibition match, which you have is Arne Anderson as a special guest referee. The reason why I'm going to talk about it is because of a tweet that I sent out that went, well, you could say trending on Twitter, per se, because of the, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the match was pretty fun. You have is the Nightmare family all in... By ringside, like you have Gun Club, you have North Calzone, Aaron Stallo, Charlie Brown was there. Who else? Nick Camarado, Anthony Ogogo was there, Dustin Road was there. And it was pretty much a friendly match, but you could tell that QT Marshall was trying to be more competitive as it is to Cody. I like the fact that Cody was trying to like no sell his shoulder injury, even though last episode of Dynamite he was on a he was on the arm sling, but then, of course, he wrestled like nothing happened. But a lot of interference, a lot of back and forth going on, a couple of takedowns from Cody's part. And, of course, you have Cody. Cody sends QT out and he holds the ropes. A lot of, like, back and forth, arm drag, nothing too much of it to you. However, QT got back in the ring, and guess what he did? He freaking strike Arn Anderson. And that's where and that's where the match ends in a no DQ. And that's where everybody got in the ring. Got in the ring and all of a sudden. QT Marshall students, of course. Aaron Stallo. Uh who else? Nick Camarado. Let's see. Aaron Stallo. QT Marshall, no, it's, I'm trying to figure out who else was part of it. I'm looking at my notes. Nick Camarado, Eric Stallo, and Anthony Ogogo all started to turn heel, and they started to attack everybody in the Nightmare family, too. And then, of course, came down to how they attacked Dustin Rose so hard, and then they brutally attacked Cody Rose, especially Anthony Ogogo. Well, Looks like Anthony Ogogo's no longer going to be in commentary for AEW Dark anymore. Hey, hopefully we'll get Ricky Stark as being a permanent color commentator for AEW Dark because I enjoy his commentary work. Then Anthony Ogogo, no offense to him. But yeah, y'all, so these three gentlemen joined QT Marshall and asked what QT was about to strike Cody with the chair. Out comes Red Velvet to persuade them to stop. And that's where they walked away. Now, you guys, that's when I saw the match that it's like, this is another faction that AEW has been brewing. I was not having it because of the fact that AEW has so many factions and groups. It's like it's starting to get more congested. So I sent out a tweet 
while trying to like, you know, do the reaction videos and all that. So I sent out a tweet with the list of the, the list of the faction and I forgot to put groups because like, you know, how much I've been busy, like trying to like tweets. I got to record the live reaction on Teddy Turnbuckle's YouTube channel. Make sure to follow Teddy Turnbuckle on YouTube and on Twitter, cheap plugs. And I kind of like having a brain fart, like who else is in, who else is in the faction slash group or whatever as well. But I got the final draft of the list as well from, from Philip. Thank God for Philip for that. And here are the group slash teams, you guys. And I'm going to make a clarification in my thoughts because that list that I created was trending on Twitter. Some of the people copy and paste my tweet, you guys. Like, oh my god, like, I got so many reach. I think it's because, you know, thanks to, shout out to Aaron Rev. He used the no DQ account to retweet it. My buddy, Steve, the fan, who is the creator of Teddy Turnbuckle, he actually retweeted it as well. And yeah, you guys, we got a lot of, like, conversation talking and I'm very impressed. Even though some is good, some is bad. I'm glad nobody didn't call me out about it. Even though like, I say, who else did I miss or anything like that? Because like I like I said, I was so busy with so many things. I kind of missed. I was having a huge brain fart. One of the things I kind of miss is Team Taz. And I've got to put 2.0 on the Elite. But here are the lists as a full right now. For faction slash group. And group by means three or more. To me, a faction, three or more. You guys want to debate on it? Drop me a DM or comment down below on YouTube. Here are the list of the factions we have from AEW. Inner Circle, The Pinnacle, Nightmare Family, Death Triangle, Jurassic Express, Best Friend, Kip, Mira, and Penelope, Hardy's Family Office, The Dark Order, QT's Crew, and shout out to the Rudos podcast for originally saying QT's crew. Team Taz. And Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. A.K.A. Team Taz 2.0. And someone mentioned Cesar Bernoni, Ryan Native, and J.D. Dragon, Peter Avalon. Y'all, we're not going to be including anybody that is not signed with AEW or part of AEW. I just wanted to make y'all clarify for that. So y'all, you have it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven. Twelve group slash stables. Jesus Christ, AEW, that is like so congestive. Like I understand that you're trying to fit everybody into a faction to have them like getting more TV time on Dynamo because like a lot of the fans. I understand how, like, some of the diehard AEW fans alike, that they want to see their favorites more involved on Dynamite and then some, like, on Dark or Dark Elevation as well. But having these factions is way too much. Like, it sort of became an overkill, like, that it has been spark of a lot of conversations and a lot of, like, a lot of debate going on that like AEW is making like a similar mistake to what WCW is doing when it comes to having too much groups and factions alike too. New Japan Pro Wrestling. Let's see. They have LIJ, Chaos, 
Suzuki Goon, United Empire, Bullet Club, and let's add one more. Team Filthy from New Japan Pro Wrestling America. That's six. NWA has Strictly Business. That's one. I'm not going to include Ring of Honor because I don't watch the product nor MLW. And of course, I don't watch WWE. Impact Wrestling, they have three. They have Violent by Design. They have Deanna Prazo, Kimberly, and Susan. And I guess you could include freaking, who else? Oh, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. A.K.A. the Elite 2.0 as well. These are the only factions they have for Impact. Like, I just feel like it's starting to get over-congested. That's just turning off the fan big time. I mean, hell, WWE, they got shit, I mean, crap ton of titles, you know. That's too much. AEW, too many factions. What are the irony of that, you guys? And don't get, get me go there about New Japan Pro Wrestling's title as well. Again, Philip, if you want to debate about the New Japan title, if it's overly congested or anything like that, digress. But anyway, I saw someone suggested on on t- Twitter saying that AEW need to have like a special or a next pay-per-view called Gang War, where each of the faction and groups get to compete one another and have like a tournament type or a match where the loser has to deform the faction for good or have kind of like more of a debut of a trio title. I think that's like a very good idea because if AEW has many factions, then why not have a gay trios champion, which is going to be like what? Let's see. World Heavyweight Champion, the Women's Tag, TND, you can include. That's going to be like their sixth title. Oh, of course, Philip is not going to be happy about like, AEW is going to have more titles, of course, because he's not a fan of having more than five titles, whatever. But I, it would be a brilliant idea to do that, so that way they could just like, you know, decrease the amount of factions they have, too. And it's going to be being more of an overplay, too. So, I mean, I do adore watch AEW, and I love AEW, but having too much of a faction is way too much, y'all. That's all I can say. All right, you guys, and then we'll go to the match itself. So you have is, of course, let's see, popping up. So you have is the Elite 2.0, as I call it. Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers defeated the team of John Moxley and... No, not John Moxley, sorry. Um, the Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid. So it's kind of like a pretty much a good six-man tag team match, of course. Like a lot of hot tag going on from Omega, Omega and also from Doc Gallows. Like... Laredo Kid, they actually dodge out of Kenny Omega's one-wing angel multiple times. However, I forgot to point it out. Don Callis was holding Kenny Omega's, not his AEW World Heavyweight title, but also his AAA Mega Championship title. Because, of course, just to tease Laredo Kid, since Kenny did defeat a Laredo Kid for that title, of course. And so a lot of high tag going on, a lot of high flame action, and especially, like, Pentagon did the two switchblades to Omega 
Ray Phoenix did deliver the high senton to Carl Anderson. The Good Brothers did try to go for the Magic Killer, but it is broken up by Ray Phoenix. And that's where Ray did hit Kenny Omega with the impressive Kenny in a destroyer. Like, wow. Very impressive. And then, of course, Kenny Omega did the V-Trigger, but Laredo Kid did counter with the Mishinoku driver. But, of course, um, for the two count. And, of course, that's again, Kenny Omega did deliver the V-Trigger. And then the one-wing angel, and thus Kenny Omega did pick up the victory. Afterwards, out come John Moxley and... The Young Bucks, as they enter the ring, they're about to have a beatdown, but Anderson, Gallows, Omega, and Don Callis did exit, you guys. So, yeah, you guys, this is like a developing of a storyline between, like, you know, the Young Bucks and Omega and the Good Brothers alike, too. And especially the fact that, like, I know that Kenny Omega has a lot in his play. There's no mention about, like, you know, the double championship situation. But I have a feeling that it is going to be a developing storyline going on, like, between Eon Bucks and the Good Brothers, you know? Especially with that tag team title alike. So, a lot of development going on for that all together, but, yeah. So far, that's enough of the AEW Dynamite bonus, bonus, bonus on regarding with, like, the cross-promotion. And my rant about the freaking faction, how it's so freaking congested, boy. Anyway, lastly, I'm going to give you guys my quick prediction for Impact plus the special for Hercore. Just as only two matches has been confirmed. So, as I mentioned, you have the six-way knockouts weapons match. The winner gets to be the number one contender for the Impact Knockouts Championship match against Deanna Perrazzo or Jazz at Rebellion. You have Jordan Grace, Rosemary, Havoc, Tennille Dashwood, Alicia Edwards, and Susan. I'm going to go with my pick, and I'm going to go with a bull pick. Because we saw her true color, and I feel that we're probably going to be seeing more of a trigger, I'm going to go with Susan to be the number one contendership. I mean, without due respect with Jordan Grace, I mean, but she already had too many title shots for the knockouts title. I feel like she didn't move on. She just be more for, like, being a tag team specialist, hopefully, like, her and ODB. Regarding with Havoc, I feel that she need to continue on with the feud with Nevaeh after what happened with the whole, like, heel turn situation. To Neil Dashwood, she could freaking, like, continue on living her best life. Rosemary continue managing the decay. And Alicia Edwards just, you know, being with Swinger, um, at the Swinger's Palace, you know. So, yeah, my pick is Susan. And then for the Impact Knockouts Championship versus Career Match, Deanna Praza versus Jazz, I feel this match is going to be main eventing because it's going to be something that's going to be impactful when it comes to Jazz's career. And for my pick, I'm going to go with Deanna Praza to retain a title. That way, it will be a good way to have Jazz being done with Impact Wrestling so she can continue on with her retirement tour and make me an appearance from either AEW or Ring of Honor, or possibly NWA. So, yeah. Anyway, you guys, that is it for the episode of Into the Stratosphere, you guys. So, again, there's not going to be no new episode of Into the Stratosphere next week. I'll be back in two weeks. Expect a lot of results and recap, you guys, from yours truly. But if you guys wanted to keep it up in the loop, 
I will make sure to do my final prediction for Hardcore Justice either on Instagram or maybe on TikTok, you guys. So make sure to follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at simply underscore C underscore OK. That's S-I-M-P-L-Y underscore C underscore OK. And on TikTok, because I'm mostly on TikTok a lot. It's such, I don't know, such an addiction. Plus, I'm having fun recording, like, you know, mostly wrestling-related stuff, too. Especially the themes on Countdown. Because I get more followers or something. But anyway, follow me on TikTok at simply underscore C underscore OK. The OK is OKAY as well. Make sure to follow um, my podcast, The Adventures in Wrestling Podcast, available on all podcasting platforms, you know, the social media and all that stuff. Make sure to follow at the Bulletcast on all podcasting platforms. And make sure to follow the Bulletcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube at bullet cast you guys because philip and brenda will be covering a lot about ww stuff especially for this busy week in wrestling you guys so yeah y'all and if you want to dm me like about the topic we talk about you know you guys know my twitter well dm me on twitter or on instagram so yeah anyway guys with that being said remember to wash your hands 20 to 30 seconds practice social distancing Wear your face mask or face covering. No excuses. Get vaccinated, you guys. And remember to please be kind to one another. We're all in this together. Until then, you guys, I'll see you guys in two weeks of a new episode of Into the Stratosphere. This is Cindy G, and hope you guys have an amazing wrestling week. Cheers, y'all. This has been the Bullet Cast. Thank you for listening.